Hello everyone and welcome to the Power of Music Thinking. My name is Christoph Zürn and this is the podcast for people with a musical heart and a wicked job. We're looking for stories, insights and tools from the big world of music to inspire leaders and followers to listen, tune, play and perform in whatever field you're operating. In October, I visited the Dutch Design Week in Eindhoven. It is an event and showcase of Dutch design with exhibitions, studio visits, workshops, seminars and parties across the city. And one of the highlights of this packed week is the Design Academy Eindhoven's graduation show. It is one of the world's most influential exhibitions of work by new designers. Staged annually during Dutch Design Week, it allows both bachelor and master students to present their final projects to thousands of visitors in a curated environment. So, welcome to this special edition of the Power of Music Thinking podcast, where we focus on the sonic perspective of some projects with a music thinking approach. So, for example, one thing that I saw was the clay whistle from Ambre Pousselot, a set of whistling jars that invite playing with a flow of water to produce unique sounds. This performative installation of clay water whistles is inspired by pre-Columbian antique whistle jars used in shamanic healing rituals. And another one was uh, Tour de Control, a project by alumni Lucien Nicou, It was shown at the United Cowboy Space and has been designed as a flexible system to be operated by musicians in a weekly long residency of live experimentations and performances. So each day a new artist or collective was invited to test, experiment, create and perform during the day on the Tour de Control. An instrument, object, installation and sculpture that allows new ways of experiencing sound using spatialization and visual translation. This control unit provides recording, slicing and modifying sound played through an eight-channel speaker system. LEDs, stroboscopes and tungsten lights translate the sound in real time as it travels through space. So this was a really, yeah, a really experience To, to really hear the sound from eight different perspectives. And we have the research project, Sonic Footprints, which is concerned with the logical consequences of noise generated by the industrial manufacture of products. It all starts with the question of what acoustic footprint everyday products actually leave in the landscape and how this affects animals and the ecosystem. So for this project, Louise Möckel, initiator, researcher and curator, aims to generate new ecological perspectives through a multi-perspective investigation of man-made noise. Well, I asked Louis to tell us all about his research and the creative outcome that will be presented, among other things, on a vinyl record, with the help of two musicians who also played at the famous Berghain Club in Berlin. So... Let's hear more about it.
Let me start like this. Sonic Footprints is an investigation into the ecological consequences of noise pollution, um, which I think is an ecological problem that's a bit under the radar because we talk about the climate crisis and for good reason, and there's a lot of ecological problems that are being discussed um, that result from human interactions with the planet. And one of them turns out to be noise and the noise that is caused by industrial processes, let's say. And Sonic Footprints follows the idea to take this already existing idea of a footprint that we know from the carbon footprint, for example, um, but look at it through an acoustic perspective to say, okay, we have a product that's being industrially manufactured, like most of the products that we have nowadays are. And they leave acoustic traces in the landscape along their supply chain. And to, to make this idea a bit more um, imaginable or something that we can actually grasp, because I think it's quite abstract, because sound is also an ephemeral phenomenon that is a bit difficult to capture. Um, I took the example of a toy dolphin. Yeah, nice. Um, which is made from PVC. And that, that might seem a bit ridiculous in the first place, uh, because why a toy dolphin? That, that's so weird. That's such a specific product. But there is a reason behind that, because there is already quite some research on what noise pollution is doing to dolphins. Mm. Because as we know, dolphins have quite a sensitive hearing range. They hear up to 200,000 hertz, which is... I think that's eight octaves above human hearing. Young uh, humans can hear maybe around 20,000. <laughs> and yeah. uh, when you're, let's say, my age, it drops to 11, I think, or 12. I did the test, so it was rather good. So we're not talking about 20, which is incredible high. We're talking about 200, right? Yeah. 200 kilohertz yeah so so that's immense that's out of our imagination and they have that that immense hearing capacity because they use sound to orient uh, just like bats they send out ultrasonic signals and their reflection gives them a center sense of space so sound for them is basically orientation meaning that like their spatial perception is way more bound to to acoustics than it is for us for us spatial perceptions is mainly bound to vision and to like looking at the world but since the ocean is not as see-through as the atmosphere it, it kind of in an evolutionary sense makes a lot of sense that they have developed the skill to orient through sound because sound also travels um, much faster and further in water right right so yeah maybe everybody can experience this that when you're underwater let's say swimming in the sea or even in, in a pool that you hear sounds that you don't hear when you dive up again and you're above the surface. Yeah, yeah it's quite different, the soundscape. It, it, it's super interesting, actually. You took actually the story of the making of a plastic dolphin and you went through stages of production where they, um, where you, let's say, more or less literally put out your microphone to hear what happens at that moment of the supply 
uh, chain um, uh, sonically. Yeah, I was just going to say to come back to the titles and like, why did I choose this thing? So because it's made from PVC and PVC is a product from the petrol industry. So it needs crude oil um, and rock salt, but that's another thing to be produced. Um, and to find crude oil, uh, one thing that is being done is to do a seismic survey, which is an acoustic investigation of the ocean floor um, with a technology that's called seismic air guns. They're like um, kind of like cannons mm. that expand compressed air and make super loud booms. And the reflection of that boom gives an idea of where the oil is in the seabed. So there's a lot of acoustic pollution being put into the ocean for months mm. to find the oil that we need to produce this toy dolphin, which I consider the beginning of the supply chain of this product. And then there's a whole infrastructure involved, which also can, um, contains shipping lines that are going through all of the ocean and the noise that is caused by shipping is increased, increasing every year. Um, and, and these these noise pollutions, they basically become a problem to dolphins because since for them sound is orientation. Is it like that they're just annoyed and at the moment when these bombs, these underwater bombs um, are um, ejected? Or do they also get a hearing damage like we would have in a rock concert or being close to a jet? Um, well, I think the biggest problem is We don't really know if they're annoyed because we have no dolphins, but um, it is common that we can find a lot of dolphin strandings in areas where there is this mm. seismic um, survey going on. Mm, and scientists assume that because they lose their sense of orientation, they they don't find their way through the ocean anymore. So it kind of, kind of becomes lethal for these animals because they they can actually get up stranded at the beach in in like a whole pot can end up stranding or to make up another argument um whales for example they communicate over hundreds of kilometers through infrasound which is on the other spectrum of acoustics it's below what we can mm. hear because the deepest the deeper frequencies they travel quite far and these air guns they also produce a lot of low frequencies uh, which kind of prevent the whales from doing their long distance communication okay which in the end leads to to fewer offspring in the end because they maybe cannot find their mate to um, to have a baby whale okay. with. So through noise, we're actually reducing the population of sea animals, which is quite intense, I think, because we are talking about extinction. And I think we also need to consider noise pollution in that discussion, mm. basically. Right, and even on a place where normally... We can be annoyed by noise or we might have problems by noise when we are in our, let's say, natural environment in a city. Um, but on the other hand, this is something that we don't hear because it's so far away from us and it impacts something that might have an indirect impact on us as well. And maybe, as you just mentioned, is seen on a on a, on a beach when when their uh, dead dolphins are, are uh, on the beach. What you did is... You tell that story of the the toy dolphins or of the PVC dolphin, 
And you do this not, let's say, in a visual way, or like, an, let's say, a visual designer would do. You you tell the story in sound. Yeah, exactly. So I went out into the field and collected some sounds um, with a hydrophone, which is an under, underwater microphone, um, to kind of capture this acoustic supply chain, as I like to call it, of this toy dolphin, and say, okay, look, this is this is the noise that we can trace along this this product from raw material extraction all the way to its um, to when it gets sold in the supermarket. Right. And maybe to give an example, we can play the fourth sound in the okay. archive, which is a recording from these seismic air guns, um, how they actually sound, because they do sound quite violent, uh, just to give you an idea. So this is kind of how it sounds like for us. I mean, the dolphin has a different hearing range. So for them, it must probably sound completely different. And and these explosions, they can reach a volume of up to 200 decibels, wow. which is actually louder than a jet engine. And with water as a medium that transports sound further than air does, this is quite a large-scale problem that, that we need to talk about more. Yeah, and to kind of capture this idea of a sonic footprint i was then looking into how how do we print sound because it's it's a footprint in the end so i went back to this old technology of vinyl records which is one of the first invented te technologies to print sound um, and to kind of have an capture this ephemeral phenomenon of sound to because people invented it to capture music and i was searching for a te technology that can capture the footprint because if we don't capture it, it's gone. If we don't record it, it, it's gone. It's not like CO2 that we can still trace in the atmosphere after it was exhausted. It's, it's, um, we only have one chance to like trace it and to have evidence that it was there. Um, which is why I then decided to press these recordings into a vinyl record. Okay, can you tell us a little bit more what's on the record? So you have a side A and a side B. And is this, are these just the sounds or is there anything different? Yeah, no. Well, it, it's divided into side A and side B because I recorded the supply chain both in the air and underwater. So I followed different stages of the production and... Um, I went with a hydrophone and a zero microphone and I've recorded always in the same time in the same space. Mm. But then I have these two, let's say, acoustic habitats that are juxtaposed between air and water. And so does the vinyl separate these two acoustic habitats into side A and side B, making the vinyl kind of a metaphor for the surface of the water that divides these two soundscapes that sound quite different from each other. Mm. So they're, they're, then, they have the same length then? They do, yeah. Yeah, so and if you would have two players, then you could um, play them together and then you would hear if you would be a DJ, you could flip from from uh, above water to underwater. You could do that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a fun performance actually. Um I was then also curious in how do we actually understand sound because since the dolphin has a hearing range that's 
kind of beyond our understanding of what is sound, there is a lot of not just scientific but also philosophical questions deriving from how do we understand the ecological consequence of noise towards animals that have a different hearing organ. So I went out and consulted philosophers, scientists, and musicians to talk about um, how do we understand sound and also uh, work with sound. And what's after this after this acoustic supply chain, what is also on the vinyl is two kind of artistic interpretations of these field recordings by two musicians who have been specializing in working with samples because um, we can talk about sound a lot from from different perspectives but then I also think it's interesting to also work with sound to not just archive it but to look at it as a medium that that can be transformed in a way and I've consulted two musicians who are a special like who are in the electronic music scene because I also see electronic music as a result of of the sound of machines basically mm -hmm. there's this term technophony which which describes the soundscape that is generated by human-made technology because all world soundscapes is divided in geophony which are like sounds from weather events the biophony which are sounds made by animals and the technophony which are the sounds that are generated by machines And I find that quite compelling that um, sounds that are generated by machines are called technophony by scientists, but then techno in itself as a music genre is in itself also generated by machine-made sounds. Right. So I thought it, it would be interesting to ask people who are actually specialized in working with samples and who also make techno uh, to work with technophony. Okay. Yeah. and ask them to transform these recordings into, let's say, music. Right. So what you did, you, you, you tell the story in sound. You had sound samples. You had discussions with the philosophers. You find two musicians that are, as, I, as far as I've understood, also were musicians that played in the famous uh, Berghain in, in Berlin, so in the techno temple of, uh, of our times. And you gave them the material and then say... The, as a creative process so it's not only research it's research to creativity in a sonic way and that will come on the on the records can we hear something how it will sound exactly so maybe if we listen to the recording number six which is a translation by the swedish duo It's really hard to pronounce them because their name is quite minimal. It just consists of S, X, and Y letters. I call them ksh, ksh, ksh. Um, And they've transformed the sounds that we just heard from the air guns into one track that we can have a pre-listen. There's even a certain beauty to it, isn't it? In a way there is, yeah. I mean, we could argue whether we should aestheticize 
a problem like this or not. What was the idea that you took this, let's say, the research into a creative project? Um, I think the reason for that is is very much a design choice because I am not generating new data uh, through this project. All the knowledge, all the data that I've used on this vinyl already kind of existed. But what this project does is it tells a story. And I think through music or design is able to transport that story a bit further than a scientific paper would do, for example, that talks about the same problem, um, but then only gets read by people who are already in the field. And what I'm trying to achieve with this, maybe let's call it aestheticization of, of this problem basically is to make people talk about it. And I think to go, to get to that point, it is sometimes maybe necessary to also have a short moment of joy in, in uh, let's call it art, this artwork. Right. And, and in that way, it's, more accessible to listen to and maybe if you're interested in some way positive or negative then you can ask questions so way, yeah. yeah so Luis, th thank you for for sharing your your, your story um i understood that this is um a fundraiser to produce the vinyl and i will put everything uh, and the link into the show notes so to make this project really um let's say from A to C, it needs a little bit of funding and everybody can buy the vinyl and, and some, some more things. Exactly. Yeah. We, because this project is, I would call it situated in artistic research and there's not that much funding in that field. So we're trying to publish this vinyl on start next at the moment to come up for the pressing costs. And it will be a limited um, edition of two famous uh, or uh, infamous in, in, in that part uh, musicians that do a very special sound uh, something. How, how shall we end? Is there an, an sound excerpt that we can fade out our, our conversation? You can play the second... Uh, Recording because that goes more into the let's call it techno direction of an interpretation of inland, which is the other musician who's been working on it. Is inland the the earth, uh, the sorry, the air or the water? Um, so the next one is going to be made from air recordings. Okay, so for, uh, so what we heard um, before that was the water, and now we get above the surface. And I, let's say, listen, and I thank you very much for all your information. Thanks for listening.
thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate this because listening is one of the top leadership skills and I feel honored about this. It is my mission to find, create and share inspirations for meaningful collaboration based on music analogies. If you want to support this, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating or write a review on iTunes or Spotify. And more inspirations can be found on musicthinking.com. We have a blog and you can download the Music Thinking Framework. And finally, I would love to hear your feedback. And if you need help with a business challenge, please reach out to me via email podcast at musicthinking.com.